Hello, and welcome back to episode four of Pursuing the Cornerstone. My name is Abigail Harrington, and this is my brother Robert and my sister Cecilia. And y'all better buckle up because today Robert is going to talk about weightlifting. Robert, go ahead and take it away. You guys are giving me the opportunity to share what I came to mind while I was on the treadmill the other day, about a week ago. Anyways, first off, first time I ever lifted was with Cecilia. She doesn't remember it, but. Really? No. Uh, Maybe. I don't think you remember it. You don't really remember anything that me and Abigail did. I remember. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you were kind of absent in me and Abigail's lives for about three years. (laughs) No, so, <laughs> I didn't know. my fault that I was so much older than you. I'm pretty sure you came to a half of one of my basketball games. No, in that about, was me. Oh, that, that was Abigail. Oh, you maybe sat through one of my full games in about a four-year span. I hate Anyways, <laughs> and so I spent a lot of time lifting growing up. I fell in love with it. I study exercise science now, so I still love it. I get to run workouts at a high, local high school. Love it. But I had this awesome, is the correct word, analogy? Revelation. Revelation. I was literally on the treadmill and boom, this hit me. And then I immediately texted the girls and they're like, wow, that's pretty good. But at first they're like, let's talk about this instead. So this has been delayed a little bit. So here we are. Um, Abigail, do you remember that time that I lifted before school and then I show up to class? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Robert used to lift before (laughs) class and we had the same first period, which y'all, that was an experience. So much fun. So much fun. He comes in and his face is all messed up. And I looked at Robert and I said, Robert, like, what is going on with your face? Just he's like, roasting what are you me. About? <laughs> and he like goes and looks and he's like, oh, shoot, I think I busted the blood vessels in my face. <laughs> and I was like, you did what? And so this time my parents weren't really 100% on board. Oh, they hated it. They hated it. My dad in particular, you know, because he like is an EMT and he like lifts cots for a living. And he's like, Bro, that messes up my back, let alone purposely lifting 500 pounds. Um, And so we're like, okay, but like dad can't find out, which this is going to be the first time he hears this story when he listens to this podcast. So sorry, dad. But (laughs) we like went home that night and his face is all red because he had tried to lift. Well, he lifted 500 pounds. I did. I didn't try. I did. Busted every blood vessel in his face. And so we walk into the house and we shut all the lights off and we're like, okay, surely like they won't notice. (laughs) And they didn't. We like made it through the whole evening. And I had to hide for a couple days there, boy. We just had to hide these busted blood vessels because he worked out just a little, maybe too hard. <laughs> Never. There's no such thing. But anyway, <laughs> here, here's the point. A weight room can be a very intimidating place where, as like I, I like to say, my new phrase is people get lost in the sauce. They don't really know what they're doing there. They get They start wandering around and it's just this intimidating place. So I'm running there on the treadmill and I'm like, I can probably fit almost 90% of the people in here in a couple different categories and describe them. So you have those people who come into the weight room and they only hit one body part. So let's say they come in there and just curl for about, you know, 30 minutes and their arms are stinking huge. And then they wear baggy pants to cover up how small their legs are, which is a personal choice. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, or you have those who come in and just do cardio and just, you know, put an hour on the treadmill, you know, just love it. And then you have those who have all the cool clothes and, you know, they carry around their blender bottle, you know, and they look really cool and uh, have all the fancy stuff. And then they come in there and they don't actually move any weight. They just go to the cables and just do cool stuff on the cables for a little bit. 
And man, do they look cool, but they don't ever actually surrender to the process and make any gains. And then you have those who were just born genetically gifted, those who would never, never step foot in the weight room, but they're like, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm stinking. I look good. So I don't have to go in there or, you know, something like that. And then you have those who talk like they go in there and work out, you know, they carry around their blender bottles and their t-shirts to say, I don't know, give me a phrase or like sun's out, guns out, baby or something. And they never actually work out, but they act like they do. They can talk the talk. They don't walk the walk. And then you have those who actually go in there and surrender to the process and make gains. So we're talking, they hit their compound movements. They bench squat, deadlift, they lift heavy, you know, they do a little cardio on the side because that's important for you. So this, I was literally standing there. I'm like, man, I can fit almost all these people into a category. And then the question came into my head, how is your spiritual fitness? Mm. Ooh. Ooh, spiritual fitness. So what do I mean by that? I mean, how are you surrendering to Jesus? Because like I just talked about, some people, like I just discussed, are only thriving or only surrendering to, let's say, one part of the process here. So they come in there and they they only hit arms. Okay, so they have jacked arms, but everything else is lacking, you know, and that's it's obvious too, just so everyone knows if you're one of those people, it's obvious. Or they go in there and just jump on an elliptical machine but they don't actually ever lift weights. Okay. You might, you know, be in super good cardiovascular shape, but you know, you're not growing your muscles or anything like that. You're not getting stronger. So they're lacking and some sort of their fitness here. And then you have those with like the good genetics. And those are, those are like people who let's say, Oh, I grew up in the church, but you know, I went to church for so many years, but I'm good. You know, I'm good. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to surrender to Jesus. I'm good. Right. You know, And then, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just, if we're talking like, you know, reflecting this back to spiritual life, one of the verses that I read this week that I think um, really relates to what you're saying um, is Matthew 6, 24, which says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. So in this example, it says you cannot serve God and wealth, but I think it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, you can't serve God and someone else. You can't just serve the world. And you have to work out the full body, you know, you got to surrender to God. So, and, and here's, you know, like the person who has the cool clothes. So let's just say they wear the gym shark or they have their super sweet bodybuilding tees or their stringers. So all their muscles show, but they don't ever actually move any weight in there. Okay. So that's like the person that says, Oh, I am, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm a Christian, but they don't live it out. You know, they don't surrender to Jesus. The Bible verse in the Instagram bio. That's what that reminds me. Yes, that's actually perfect. That's actually perfect. You know, because that's, you know, you can, you can play it up all you want, but like we were discussing the last podcast, being married to Jesus is not a three hour a week thing. You know, it's not, it's, it's an active process. So then you have your person who goes in there and they bench squat and deadlift. They hit their accessories. You know, they work hard. They put in the work because they surrendered to the process, just like how we have to surrender to Jesus. Because you're not going to make spiritual gains or, or you know, you're, if you don't surrender completely to Jesus, you're, you're basically just still living for yourself. Because like we said, you can't be fleshly and be following Jesus at the same time. It doesn't work. Right. Well, and I think that, so Robert's analogy, it fits well with what he does and he understands it well. But Jesus did a similar parable in, in Matthew 13, and it's the parable of the sowers. 
and you have four different types of soil. You have the good soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and there's another one. I should have looked at it before I did this. Nah. <laughs> we'll look at it in a minute. But so it talks about how when your seed falls on. So let's start with um, some seeds fell beside the road. That was the fourth one. So and the birds came up and ate them. So the seeds didn't take root. They heard the gospel. It didn't really matter to them. So they let the world come in and take what what they had learned. The second soil fell on rocky places. And if you've ever done any gardening. So the garden that we have in Montpelier right now is on a land where a foundation of a house used to sit. And so the first <laughs> that we were gardening. Good garden to me. What had these ginormous rocks in it. So we had to work and pull all the rocks out because if it falls in the rocky place, it springs up like the person's belief and faith springs up, but there was no depth of nowhere that the roots can grow. So then it dies out. And then, um, others fell among the thorns and we all know how much fun it is to get caught in thorns. Not really at all. Um, and the thorns come up and they choke it out. So they're choked out by the world. And then the good soil, you know, if you have good soil, then your plants can grow and you can have good crops. And same thing with our spiritual life. If we're planted in good soil, our roots will will grow and will take root and we'll continue to surrender to Jesus and become more like him. And, and we all want to be part of the good soil. And that's a lot tougher. And I think we're not always truthful about what kind of soil we're planted in either. It's really easy mm -hmm. to say that we're planted in the good soil. But that may not be the case. Just like it's really easy to say, oh, I'm doing all these good things when I work out, but I'm really maybe and not doing what I should be doing. So, nah. yeah. <laughs> and Cecilia, when you were talking, another verse in Matthew um, came to mind yeah. and it was Matthew 7, 26, which says everyone who hears the word of mine and does not act in them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So I think we just got to ask yourselves, like. What are you building your house on? Like, are you thinking you're building your house on, you know, the solid ground, but in reality, your faith could be washed away by water because you built it on the sand, um, which that's obviously you, you have to be truthful with yourself. And I think I wouldn't have been truthful with myself about that up until like probably last year, you know, in high school, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all these things right. But my faith was built so much in the world that I didn't leave room for God. And so I think that's how are you working out your faith? which I guess Robert could probably talk about a little bit. You know, you're talking about all these compound lifts, but like, are you just going to church on Sunday or did you fully change the way you're living and you're living for Jesus now? I and think what really needs to be discussed here, which means Cecilia have talked about this before, but it's not when you start, when you surrender to Jesus, it's not like you have to work, like you have to work for it. You know, it's not like something you earn, like you surrender, but then he does the transforming. Mm -hmm. That That's what's cool is like, you know, I'm talking about working out and those are things you have to, you have to physically go put in the work. And I'm not saying it's easy to surrender to Jesus at all, like, cause it's not, it's hard to do, but it's not like you say, Oh, I'm surrendered to Jesus. Now I have to go do this, 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 and this to be surrendered to Jesus. You know, it, it's not, you surrender to him and then he transforms your life. So Romans 12, two is what came to mind when, when you were talking about that. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And I, and I think that is true. You know, we have to, we have to get ourselves out of the world. We have to transform our thinking in order to do that. But also with what Robert was talking about comes a lot of the idea of grace versus even works for that matter. 
And I think a lot of us, I know I am, I'm very much a works-based person. So I feel like I have a certain number of things that I have to do in order to, you know, get into heaven. So I have to be a good person or I have to do all these good deeds. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the show, The Good Place, people out there, but so on there, <laughs> places like, so they have like all this point system on earth. And if you do good things, you get good points. And if you do bad things, you get negative points. And it's really easy to think that's how we're going to get into heaven. But the idea is that when we're covered by grace, it it shouldn't, we don't have a list of things we have to do. We should just love Jesus so much that we just follow him. It should just be a natural, a natural thing that occurs because of our love for Jesus. Not because I have to do these things to obey him. Like I have to do with these things so that I'm a good person, but I have to just, I want to obey Jesus. You know how hard that would be to live like to live like that, Cecilia? Yeah. Here's my list for the day. I have to check off everything or else I'm not going to heaven or I am not a good Christian today. If I don't check off these 12 boxes a day. I think what you guys just said was super interesting to me because obviously I wasn't like involved in that conversation, but (laughs) a lot of times I get so caught up in like, all right, I read my Bible today. I prayed today. Oh shoot. I didn't pray today. Let me pray real quick. And then I can go to bed and have some peace of mind. Um, But you're right. Like if you are choosing to follow Jesus, if you have surrendered to Jesus, then your life will change because he changes it and you want to live like him. Like you should have such a deep desire to live like him that that's what's going to change your life. And it's not necessarily like for this peace of mind or like, oh, I'm such a good person, you know, but it's because (laughs) you truly want to be like Jesus. And that's, that's such a crazy concept. Like, I don't know. That just kind of blew my mind, guys. I can't lie. So John, hold on, hold on. I got one real fast. You go, go. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. I know I've told Robert and Abigail both it because I think it's interesting. I'm going to go away from what I was originally going to say. But Uh-oh. um, so I am reading. I'm in the middle of almost finishing Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And he talks about how when we become Christians, it's no longer, you know, it, it is that no longer I who live, but we are putting on Christ. We are becoming little Christ. So it's not Cecilia Fox or Robert Harrington or Abigail Harrington who's going out to the world. I mean, Jesus dwells in us. We are Jesus to the world. And when you think about the idea, we every day that we get up, we are putting on Christ. We are becoming Christ and we need to surrender our own hopes, dreams and whatever else to God so that we can best accomplish what he said before us. And that's just a crazy thought. Now back to what I was going to say. Um, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus doesn't say, if you want to get into heaven, you will keep my commandments. <laughs> if you kind of love me, but you're not really sure you're going to keep my commandments. But it's just like our love for Jesus once allows us to follow what he says. It's not a set of rules we have to follow. We don't live in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, where we have a bunch of stuff. And if we screw up, we have to go make a sacrifice. Jesus was that sacrifice, but we do our outpouring of love for Jesus should make us love one another, love God and help us to keep the commandments that he laid for us. But this is, this is, you have to fully surrender. So you can't hold on to anything. If that, if you, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to let Jesus have this part of my life. So like, just like I was talking about with lifting. So it's not like, I'm just going to let, I'm just going to hit my arms today. You know, I'm just going to surrender the process of building a, absolutely yoked upper body, but I'm going to neglect my legs. No, you have to surrender everything in your life to Jesus, which is something I've been trying to do recently. And I feel like that's been very rewarding for me. Um, I feel like God's pointing me in a different path than what I ever thought I would go. But 
it's it's not an easy thing because you have to give up all these things that people on this earth consider successful you know like you know you might have to give up money you might have to give up fame or you know whatever it is to completely surrender to Jesus yeah and that's and i think that's a lot of it and it's not it's not just a one time like you can't just one day like say i surrender to jesus and that be good for the rest of your life like it's <laughs> what we have to do you know we're con- it's a constantly changing and you know as a goal as a christian like once you're once you're a follower of christ our goal should become to become more holy to be more set apart to become more like jesus each and every day so that by the time that you are you know 85 years old and you're still living that hopefully the goal is to be a much better Christian than even I am now at 25. Like every day you should be getting a little bit better for Jesus. Yeah. And so that reminds me of um, the verse that you put um, the Hebrews five twelve and first Corinthians three, two um, about drinking milk when you should be ready for solid food. Yeah. It says, I think you should definitely go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. So it says, so first Corinthians three, two says, um, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. So this, in this context, Paul's saying, like, I'm giving you milk. We're starting with the really basic stuff. And even though you should be ready for solid food, you're not there yet. So I'm going to keep giving you this milk, right? And so just kind of a, and I'll get to the other verse too, but kind of tying Just like what's going on in your life right now. So. Kind of tying it into my own life. So Nathaniel is six months old now and we've started eating solid food and by solid food it means like mashed up like blended like food to like where you can't even recognize really what it is he loves it but if i was to give nathaniel like actual food like i would eat big old ribeye steak to eat it he'd probably choke and that just wouldn't be you know that wouldn't be a good thing for me to do so you do need to you know you should be eating things so here's a question cecilia Go ahead. If you think you would give him normal solid food? Do you think it'd be a good experience? Do you think if after he choked on it, he'd want to try it again? <laughs> Probably not. And it would scare the crap out of me. It would be awful. I would feel so bad if I was to do that, you know, and just knowing, knowing where people are at is important. Do you think do you catch my gist there, Cecilia? No, I get it. Yeah. He's not going to want to. So Hebrews yeah. five twelve. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have a need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So these people in Hebrews that he's talking to, like, were ready for solid foods. They were eating those solid foods, but for some reason they've transgressed and they're back to milk. So it's the idea of like when you're a basic Christian, you know, you're going to have certain things that you need. Just like Nathaniel right now is a baby, and so he eats baby food. I don't give him by steak. And when he's older, I will give him a ribeye steak and he'll be ready for it. But he's grown into that. And just in our Christian walk, we we can't just keep doing the same things that we've done and keep needing those basic principles beaten into us. We have to grow. We have to understand things deeper and understand things better, or it doesn't matter. <laughs> Jesus doesn't right. like it when we're still doing that. <laughs> yeah. And so what I think about Robert, if we're going to bring it back to weightlifting here, so I got super into weightlifting with Robert over quarantine yes, and I kept in school and I, I kept it up pretty well. And then right before a break I had, I didn't lift for two weeks. Okay. It's only two weeks, guys. Like that's not that long. Right. And I came back home and I was trying to work out and I think I squatted for like a little short amount of time. And the next day I could not walk because I took two weeks off. <laughs> My body was no longer in the shape it was in. And that's kind of what's like in your faith. So if you're following Jesus, right? You're like, yes, Jesus. And then you're like, well, this thing happened. So I'm just going to, you know, 
this not, earthly thing seems really good to me I'm right really now. I'm not going to like talk to God for a couple weeks, you know. Well, your faith is never going to grow and you're going to be in the exact same spot you were in when you first started believing. No gains, baby. Yeah, no, no gains. And that's, but that's what it's all about, you know. Like it should be an everyday, like I'm one step closer to having a stronger faith. Like, you well, know. This is, this is just like you have to die daily. Yeah. And this is this is I, when I was preparing for this. I was, that's what I kept going up in my hand. Die daily and take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. And okay. So I was thinking once I was talking. Matthew seven nineteen says, "Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust and destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither mouth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also." So I read this this week and I thought to myself, where's my, where's my heart? Like, where's my treasure? And it's, I don't know, like we as Christians oftentimes put our heart and our treasures on the things of this earth. But the more I think about it, I want eternal life with God. So I want to put my heart and I want to put my treasure in Jesus because narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, but broad is the gate that leads to destruction. And I want to be on that narrow path. So um, this is kind of important. I guess not really. So, and this goes back to my own life because I got super obsessed with lifting and my image, my body image. And I mean, I went a whole summer. This because Robert had to work out. I, I would give up, you know, trips to Cecilia's house because she didn't have a place where I could work out. Or I literally put a bunch of weights in the back of my truck and drove 14 hours to Texas. That way I knew I could work out while I was down there. I mean, that's how, that's how big of a deal it, it, like it fueled my life. So then I had this revelation one day. I was like, what if I spent more time, spent the time I spend working out and on things I went out of this life for Jesus and my life has completely changed. I would give up working out right now to, to farther, to farther the kingdom. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind I would give it up. And I mean, the, the girls can, can, can tell you that my life has changed since, I mean, I was, I was able to go up to Cecilia's house and I ate ice cream cake for the first time in probably five years. And I didn't want to like throw it up afterwards. Like my life is completely different because of like Abigail said, I'm no longer pursuing these earthly riches. For me, earthly riches meant being absolutely yoked and lifting more weight than anyone else. But now I, now I just want to farther, the farther the, bring people to Jesus. That's what I'm here for now is to bring people so, to Jesus. So kind of not even on Robert's point, but taking it back a little bit when we're talking about having to give stuff up for Jesus. I always – and I teach girls on Wednesday nights, and this comes up a lot because I think about this a lot. So in Matthew 19, we hear about this rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, and he says, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, okay, you need to follow these laws. You need to you know, like follow the Ten Commandments, basically. You need to love your neighbor. You need to love your parents. You need to do all these good things for people. And the rich young ruler looks at Jesus, and he says, I've done. I've done all of that, all of it. I've done it. Maybe he has. I don't know. I kind of tend to think he maybe was a little conceited, but Jesus <laughs> says, okay, you've done all this. Now I want you to give up all you have, sell it to the poor and come and follow me. Or sell all you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler goes away sad because he can't give up his stuff. And I would just encourage you to don't, don't get so tied down by stuff, whatever that stuff is, whether it's weightlifting whether it's material goods, whether it's, I don't know, your job. Your anxiety. I would even say that's yep. tied into that. Yep. Don't get tied down by those things and don't limit yourself because God can do incredible things 
through you for the kingdom if you will just let him. And if you are willing to give up your stuff and even your family, all of your stuff, just baggage, I don't know, everything. If you're willing to give it to Jesus, he can use you to do incredible things. Yeah. And well, we see that. So Matthew, right? He's this tax collector. No Pharisee would have ever associated with him. But Jesus looks at him in Matthew 9, 9 and says, follow me. And what did he do? He got up and he followed him. And I mean, he Jesus changed his life. He became one of his 12 disciples. And I mean, obviously, maybe it's not so direct today, but the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and the Holy Spirit is calling people into service. So are you going to take up your cross? Are you going to take lay down your earthly possessions and follow Jesus? Like, I don't know. I struggle with that as well. I can't say that I would always say yes to that. Robert, do you have something? You look like you want to talk. Oh, well, I can always talk. That's never an issue. But this this takes me back. Let's make sure I'm in the right spot this time. Parable of the Vineyard, is that what you're talking about? No. Oh, okay. Um, Last time. Oh, here it is. Okay, here it is. So in John 6, Jesus upped his teaching big time. He was calling people out. He's saying, yeah. hey, you guys need to change. And people were leaving him. So he says this to this to his disciples. I think this is crazy. So it says, as a result of many of his disciples, this is John 6, 66, as a result, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So people were leaving him. They weren't, they weren't giving things up for him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Who do you who do you not want to go away also? Do you? You do not want to go away also, do you? Okay. Jesus, the Son of God, looking at these guys and saying, Do you not want to go too? Are you going to leave me? And here's the answer. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Mm. You have the words of eternal life. Yeah. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go, guys? I think that's extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. Because, you know, like we like they just said, all this stuff's temporary. You know? So would you want to live forever? You know, eternal life? Or do you want to be so rich and miserable on this earth because you're going to have no hope because you don't have Jesus. And then you're going to die and get eaten by the worms. Right. This is random off topic. So do you remember playing softball when someone would throw the ball in the dirt and people would say, leave it for the worms. You know, have you ever heard that? Uh, maybe I've heard it. I don't know if we said it a lot. You know talking about? There's a kid I played baseball with and he never actually got into a game, but he would sit throughout the entire game and just yell that phrase. So anyways, that's what it reminds me of. So leave all your earthly desires for the worms pursue things heavenly yeah and okay so in matthew 10 y'all i love matthew right now i'm just reading through the gospel so it's really just, it's just there but it says um verse 38 39 and he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me he who has found his life will lose it and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it if you follow jesus you're gonna lose things and that's sometimes like things that it's it's hard to comprehend and a lot of times it can be like it can be someone's life that you love. It can be relationships. It can be all these things. But following Jesus means you lose the things of this earth to gain the things of heaven. So what are you willing to lose? Like everything you have right now, think like, could I just let this go to follow Jesus? If Jesus asked me, like he asked the disciples to just come and follow him, would you just come and follow him? Because he's like, he's asking. that's what he's asking you. That's what we are challenged through scripture. And that is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your heart. Jesus is saying, will you follow me? And every day people are saying tomorrow, 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 I will tomorrow. You know, like when I get through this job interview or this. Don't put thing. it off. But the urgency here is eternal life, folks. Like you are not guaranteed tomorrow. So are you willing to 
today, right now, to lay down the things of this earth in order to pick up the cross of Jesus? I don't know. Pretty powerful. So you got something. You got something. Well, I just... So we've been talking this. So we've been going through Mark in my Bible study on Monday nights. And we talked about um, John the Baptist last week and about how John the Baptist was beheaded basically because he called Herod out on his adultery with his brother's wife, but which is just <laughs> a whole can other just, thing. Can we just reflect on the fact too, that it was like his, his wife's daughter who was dancing for him and his like, men. And then that not good to the point where he I said, you can have anything you want. Yeah. That's but so screwed up. We were talking about John the Baptist and about how he was even willing to give up his very life for the, the purpose that God set before him. And, one of the questions in the study guide was like, what, what are you willing to give up for Jesus? And what have you given up for Jesus? And we had a whole discussion about like, we're not really sure we've ever really had to give up much for Jesus. One of the girls said, you know, like, well, friendships, I don't hang out with people who, um, you know, don't really go to church maybe as much. And I try to, you know, hang out with like-minded people. But I think in America, we live in a very lukewarm Christian society. Amen. Lukewarm, baby. And, and Jesus doesn't like lukewarm. And I think if we, the church, can figure out what it means to be all in for Jesus, it Surrender. will transform our culture. It will transform our church. We will see, see the gospel spread. We might face some persecution, guys. And that's something else, too, you know, just to keep in the back of your head is I don't know where we're headed and what's going on, but I think the idea of that persecution could come. We almost should want persecution because persecution spreads the gospel. Acts 5.41. Thank you for saying that. I've been wanting to read this. So <laughs> Acts 5.41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Well, and the mm-hmm. idea is just, well, it was just the idea that we may never face those things, but we should be willing to do those things. We should be willing to die for Jesus. We should be willing to give up our money and share our money. I mean, that's a huge one here for us, you know, for all of us, because we're so blessed is we have monetary, even if you're poor, as far as American standards go, we're so much more rich than so many people like be willing to give your money, be hospitable. But even, you know, I feel like there has been things I've had to give up because Adam is my husband is a preacher, you know, in some ways, and I've had to leave my family and I live in, live in Ohio. Does that mean I never see my family again? No. I see my family all the time. Probably more than what she wants to be honest. (laughs) And, but I also like, I've always felt like God has just called me to do his work and to do ministry. And so there's often times where I feel, feel a pull to the world to have this lucrative career because I don't think I'm a dummy. I could probably do something where I could make lots of money. She is very smart. (laughs) Extremely smart. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if staying home with my, with my baby and helping to teach people about Jesus is what God wants me to do at the at the end of my life. That's so much more fulfilling than a lucrative career where I make lots of money and I die because I don't know Jesus, you know. And and I think that's the thing is like living simply is not wrong. And sometimes I think that makes it easier to follow Jesus because we're more willing to give stuff up. And when we do give stuff up, God is going to bless us because we're being good stewards of what he has given us. And we're using our gifts and our talents for his kingdom. And even if we do face that persecution, and Lord willing, we don't, but even if we do, God's going to be right there with us by our side to help us through. Yeah. And so what I always think of, uh, you talk about, you know, we don't even know in America the least of what it means to be persecuted or the least of what it means to be in poverty. 
But I would say in America, we are the experts in being in poverty of, of spiritual life. Like, you know, that's a thing, folks. And your neighbors, even maybe yourself, like that's the reality of America right now. Um, but we have the solution. We have the solution. So give up your earthly deeds. They don't need your money necessarily. They need Jesus. Oh, so, and don't go ahead, Robert. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, you guys keep talking about persecution and all this stuff. And um, I listened to a podcast this week where they talked about Acts 5, um, Gamaliel's council. You know what I'm talking about, Cecilia? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, um, stood up and, and talked to these guys about for um, about how these other people have risen up during the, that time and had all these followers. And then they would kill the guy who they were following, and then they would all scatter and nothing would happen. And then he basically pointed out the fact that they killed Jesus and his followers are still there. And not only are they still there, but they're growing. Yeah. And this guy wasn't a follower of Jesus, No, <laughs> but he, he was wise. He knew kind of what was going on. And we do see that like in the next chapter, I think Acts six is where Stephen is persecuted and Saul who becomes Paul is standing there with, with his cloak, holding the cloaks of the people who are stoning Stephen. And, you know, Paul becomes one of the greatest, if not the greatest apostle, writes most of the new Testament God can use people that you would least expect. And another book I would encourage you to read, I actually gave it to Robert to read. It's a really great book that talks about persecution and people standing up in the face of persecution. It's called The Insanity of God. And there's some amazing stories in there about how people have given things up in order to follow Jesus. Um, And just inspires me as I live here in easy America that maybe my life could be. And, And that's something too, like, you know, we feel like we're stuck sometimes. I think like, Oh, we live in this mm-hmm. culture. That's so whatever lukewarm, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we have to be lukewarm. Right. So no. I would just encourage you, you know, this is something that I've been, I felt called to do recently. It's just, and I don't come in contact with a lot of people throughout the week. I'm at home, <laughs> you know, just being kind to people, but even just trying to bring Jesus up in everyday conversations, because you never know who would be open to the gospel, who needs to hear it. And just letting people know, like, Whoa. Like, like we said, it's great. The spirit works. Mm-hmm. You know, the spirit will transform people. So you know, a simple statement. What's a statement you've been using? Say, hit me with one. Give me a simple statement you could say to people. Oh, just like yeah. um, you could just talk about like, or even just inviting people to church. Maybe this isn't just a simple statement. Like Jesus loves you. Even sometimes that is, can be a powerful thing that you can say. And maybe it can be a little taboo. But like, you don't know people. People know. In America, people have heard about Jesus. A lot of them just haven't acted on the gospel. And so even just, you know, trying to reinforce that idea or like you're talking to somebody and they ask you about your week and you say, oh, I have this Bible study or, oh, I'm learning this in my Bible. You know, you just bring up what you're learning. Maybe or, uh, Adam's line. I love Adam's line. What are you reading in your Bible? You know what I'm talking about? Is that what you're talking about? Like what no, are you no, the, about? the one where, he's, where people ask him how he is and he says better than I deserve. Oh, that's a, that's a oh, day yeah. Ramsey thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I roll my eyes all the time, but... I do think it is true because we are better than we deserve because we're covered by the yeah. grace of Jesus. Yeah. So, so I mean, when you were talking, one thing I kept thinking about just as a, like, I don't know, a thought as a Christian in the world today, you should love those in the world, but you should not be loved by the world. Um, and what I think of is Matthew, again, Matthew, y'all, I'm telling you, Matthew 10, 22, it says, you will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. And I would caution too, just, so Adam and I have come in contact with a lot of people throughout the time of ministry where you go to them and you say, you know, are you a Christian? And they say, well, I believe in God. 
but even the demons believe in God, guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> a belief in God is not enough. There has to be some sort of surrender, some sort surrender. of something. And I think this is a good time even to issue that invitation that I'm going to give every time on this podcast, right? And that's that if you haven't committed to following Jesus, today is the day. You know, don't, don't wait. Don't wait. Baptism is not that hard. <laughs> you just go down into some water and come back up, you know. And if you believe that Jesus has died for your sins and you believe, that he's coming again and that he is, has shown you grace, then I encourage you to do that today, to find someone you can talk to about that. Mm-hmm. Reach out. That. Please reach out to anyone. I mean, and us, we would love to talk to you. I mean, don't live in your lukewarmness anymore, you know, and that's, work. and I think it's easy to fall back into that. It's really easy to be lukewarm. Absolutely. To say, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm just not going to do my best today. And I've been, and something we've talked about, maybe not bringing this up, but um, there was a really tragic situation in our hometown this week. And um, a 31-year-old father who had two girls had a brain bleed um, and he had surgery, but there was just nothing they could do. His brain was already too far damaged and he actually passed away. And his wife and all of her Facebook posts have been so encouraging and encouraged me just knowing that even in hard times, we can look to Jesus. But the idea is, guys, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Amen. Life is so fleeting. And we think that, you know, if we're young and... Parable of the ten virgins, Cecilia. Yeah, that we're young and that, you know, we have all this life ahead of us, but maybe we don't. You don't know if today is not going to be your last day or not. And I just encourage you, you know, don't wait to make that decision. Don't wait to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Don't wait to start changing the things that you're doing because that surrender at the end of the day is going to be so much more profitable than anything else that you can do. Amen. Matthew 25, 13, be on alert then for you not know the day nor the hour. Be ready. Don't wait. Surrender to Jesus. And even if you don't die, Jesus could come back, guys. We've been waiting for, the apostles thought Jesus was coming back in their time. We've been waiting. The kingdom of heaven is here. It is here. Mm -hmm. Not near, it's here. It's here. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I just encourage you, you know, don't be those workout people that Robert sees in the gym that he does secretly make fun of. That, I do not. <laughs> not anymore. Maybe that before. only does, you know, arms or, you know, or the people that I always laugh at people that sit there and just take selfies of themselves the whole time. So they Oh, can man. I got a good story about that one, but that I won't tell but, it. <laughs> you know, I just, when it comes to Jesus, guys, don't wait. Because it's in your walk with Jesus, lift some heavy weight, surrender to Jesus, do your little cardio on the side, you know, and that, you know, get into your Bible, talk about Jesus with people, pray, and it's to not, make spiritual gains. And we talked about a checklist, you know, it's not a checklist not. to go through, but it is important to stay in the word because the word, the word is living and active and it, and it, it that's how the Holy Sharper Spirit works. Than a double-edged sword. It works through you and praying is how you stay connected to God. And those are just important steps. And I do think. If all of us hear something that I've heard before, and I have never done well at this, but the idea of like, if everyone who listens to this podcast or even Robert and Abigail and I make one disciple this year. Well, let's, let's hold on. So I got, I got this. Okay, go ahead. So the parable of the sower, I, sorry, I heard this on this week on another podcast and it blew my mind. So how many, how many, how many seeds did you say fell between? It was four, right? Mm-hmm. And how many, how many grew and grew well? One, one, one out of four. So if one out of four of everyone who hears the gospel and then let's say they take it and then they, they grow and then they share the gospel. And then one out of four people they hear, that's a 25% success success rate right there, boys. 
that's pretty good. I mean, well, if you think about baseball, if you hit 300, you're, you're considered one of the best baseball players in the world. Mm-hmm. So gar- no matter what, we are guaranteed 25% that this, that, that they will hear the gospel essentially is what the, the parable is saying. Cause it's one out of four is the way I look at it, which is well, cool. and it's just the idea of like, so if all three of us that are talking to you right now, making a t- disciple this year, which, and sometimes it's just, you don't know what role you're going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can ever say I, I walked with somebody from the very beginning to the end necessarily. And I don't ever feel like I've really like made a disciple, but if, even if we're working in people's lives, so let's say we each make one, then already by the end of this year, there's going to be six of us. And then if those people go and make more and we make another one, then we're at what 12. So it just, it's, it's exponential and it grows and, you know, and you don't have to feel like you have to focus on a big crowd because even Jesus focused on his 12 and even within those 12, he focused on three. So don't, it's not, it doesn't have to be intimidating. It doesn't have to be scary, but I just do encourage you to get out of that lukewarm water and figure out where you're going and make it happen. Yeah. Surrender to Jesus. So here, I'm going to end us here. Um, Hebrews 12, verse one. Therefore, since we have, we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin, which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Yeah, this is, this is not a sprint. This is an endurance, an endurance event that we have to every day surrender to Jesus every day. Right now, I surrender to Jesus every day. Amen. That's my goal every day. Surrender to Jesus. I don't care what else happens. I surrender to Jesus and let him work with work through me. Amen. So please uh, do not wait. Yeah, there's an urgency there, folks. So if you're listening, take that step today because you don't know what's going to happen in the next hour, the next day, in the next month. Um so would you like to pray us out? Um, can you pray for that family to Cecilia that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time that we get together and we just talk about you, God, because you are awesome and you are worth it. And we love you so much. And I pray that this week that you help us all to get out of that lukewarmness where we feel comfortable, God, and you push us out of our comfort zone and you use us and you help us to surrender to you daily. And I pray if there's people around us that need to know you, that you inspire us, that you give us opportunities, God. And I pray if there's anyone listening that has a decision to make, that you will put it on their heart to make that decision. I do pray for the Wilcoxon family, God, specifically Ashley and her two girls. God, just who are in such a tough situation right now, God. And I pray that you give them comfort and peace in this time. And thank you so much for your son who makes this all possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Robert, Make some spiritual gains this week, guys. Spiritual gains. The cornerstone. See you next, See you next time. time.